Welcome to Sales Secrets, new shows daily. Subscribe now. Talk to me about the three companies. You know, like like what was the first one, second one, third one? What'd you get it to? What'd you sell it for? Air, you know, Air well, Arm, well, there were there were yeah. So there was five companies. The first two were failures. Like I, I always tell that because like I just started when I was seventeen. So I started a. Uh, um, my first company is called MaritimeVacation.ca. So it was a Canadian VRBO back in the day, 98, 99. Um, and you know, I learned a lot, built it, didn't know how to build a team. The guy that owned at the cottage.com had a bigger vision. He ended up taking all my customers, but it was still cool. Like it was like might have made 30 or 40 grand, but I was 17. And like I remember the first time somebody wrote me a check that was a stranger and sent it to me, like because of the internet. Like that was like like, okay. Yeah. If I did it once, on. maybe I can do it 10,000 times, 100,000 times. And that was like subscription as a service and SaaS was like the beginning there. And then I did a hosting company because I was building all these different apps for people and websites. So I like decided I wanted to own my own hosting. Uh, now I spent a lot of time in server rooms and then we ended up getting a bank as a customer. And that was way too big, too fast. And I was, again, I was 19, 20. I didn't know what I was doing. Almost you know, got sued because their site went down. Turns out banks don't like <laughs> having their sites go down. Um, you know, And it was just like a learning journey. And it took me another four years. I was 24 when I started my third company, Spheric Technologies. And we were an enterprise portal uh, software. We built like these, these integration points with existing portal technology. And then we were kind of doing services on top of that. And that was when I hired a business coach. I hired an e-myth coach named Bob. I read the book, The E-Myth. Part of that, I never read a business book, which is crazy. I read about 50 software books, but never a business book. And hired a coach and just did the work. I showed it up. I began with the end in mind. I started reading all the classics. And that company ended up making my first million when I was 27, like cash in the bank. I remember my accountant called me up and you know, tell me it's like, well, here's something cool. I was like, well, he's like, you have a million dollars in cash and retained earnings. I was like, is that good? He's like, uh, yeah, Dan, that's good. I'm like, I was so like working 100 hour weeks, focused on building a business. And then about a year after that, we got acquired by a company called Function One. That's when I became, you know, relatively wealthy, you know, multiple single digit millions, but I didn't have any co founders. Like it was just my own thing. Uh, I bootstrapped it from the beginning and then decided to. You know, I think I lasted like three months. How, how uh, long did that take? So, four years from, four, so from you built 2004 from to, to 2008. Yeah. What did you grow? Like, was it ARR or was it like project fees? Yeah. Uh, no, there was a bit of both. We were about, I think, 3.2 million when we exited. Cool. Um, and yeah, like, I mean, I was 28. So it was kind of crazy. I literally retired. I built a house. I built this stupid ass house. It was like 5,000 square feet and two bedrooms. Like, Dumb because oh yeah, like because I only oh I was like, I'm never gonna have one more than one friend to visit. And it was like it was all party space. I got my brother to build it for me. Um, and then I like bought a boat and I was, you know, like it was literally just party town, you, you know, Canada for a while. Yeah. And then I like kind of had this moment where I was like, if I don't get out of my small town, even though we had customers at the time all across Canada or US. Um, I just knew I would like wake up one day and be like, okay, you're a big fish in a small pond. Like go to the Valley. And I just like got on a plane, no visa, no nothing. And just moved to San Francisco and like showed up, didn't know a soul and started that journey. I ended up, um, 
taking kind of like a year off sabbatical and just, you know, like trying to be helpful. That's how I built my network. A lot of people know me today, you know, um, you always comment like, wow, it seems like, you know, everybody in tech, it's just because I spent a year just adding value. I didn't have to work. I didn't even charge people. I would literally come in for these two week growth sprints with different startups. And, you know, I met like Joe and Brian from Airbnb and Drew from Dropbox and, Travis from Uber was not only became a friend and a mentor, but he was an investor in my company Flowtown that I eventually started. Wow. Um, yeah. And that was like, that was the first company where I was like, because I remember when I moved to San Francisco, I thought to myself, if I, in, in 10 years, I gave myself 10 years to like go there, understand how this whole like Silicon Valley venture world works. And if I raise, you know, money and then build a company and exit it, like that would be. A pretty cool goal, right? Like I'd already sold a company, but I wanted to do it in like the the best of the best. And we ended up doing it with Flowtown. Um, I took a year sabbatical, but I kind of like seeded this idea with like I had a full time CTO working for me, just building different ideas, and that became the basis of Flowtown. We ended up raising almost a million dollars in funding, and then just grew that over two and a half years, uh, and got acquired by a company called Demand Force um, that. Got a, right after they bought us, they sold for five hundred million, five hundred and fifty to to Intuit. Wow! So it was kind of this crazy ride, and this was like two thousand nine, two thousand ten, and then I literally lasted three months at the acquire at Demand Force, and then came up with this crazy idea. Did you idea. make a lot of money at the uh, the Flow Town? I did, but it didn't change my life, and I'll tell you why. Like I had already made my money in the first company. And like, yeah. there's a certain level, unless, unless you want to buy a private jet, like your life doesn't change a whole lot, right? Like that's the only thing that I probably didn't have that I didn't really want to buy, but I, you know, I could have, and like, that would have maybe changed my life, but I charter a lot now. So it's like, it's not, yeah. other but than that, there was a million dollar burn minimum a year. Yeah. Like it, they, my, one of my mentors. Yeah. He told me, he said, nothing will stress your cash flow Like private aviation. Yeah. And he's absolutely right. And it, it really just depends. Like I actually don't travel that much. So it doesn't make sense. Like, you know, if you're in private equity and you're looking at deals all the time and you're like jetting to different cities, it makes so sense. Like if you're but, doing 200 hours, no brainer, get it. Yes. And you still have to burn like, cause buy, buying the plane. Well now with inflation, it's expensive, but it's crazy how like, it's okay. not the capital cost up front. It's, it, it's, it's the, the burn, burn of pilots month. and insurance oh and gosh. fuel. Yeah. And 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 like regional jets versus national jets versus internet. Like I mean, you'll Light still fly mid. commercial if you got to go. Like if I'm going, you know, Seattle to Florida, I'm not going to fly private and spend you know 75 grand when I can just jump on a commercial flight and fly business or you know first class. So it's like 400 bucks. It, yeah, it's <laughs> like so interesting. But so yeah, I made a lot of money. What I'm most proud of, of like Flowtown's exit, is I made. Ethan, my co-founder, a lot of money. Like he was, he was about five years younger than me. And, you know, like it was a meaningful outcome for him to like change his whole like family's life. I mean, the truth was, is like, you know, he helped his parents and all these things. Um, and we did this really cool thing after we exited the company that a lot of people don't know is we actually gave 1% of our future companies to each other because we knew, like, I started Clarity and like went down that path and he stayed at the acquire for a year. So I literally got 1% of his company. It's called Digit.co. So I don't know if you ever heard of Digit, but it's like this auto-saving app uh, for your bank account. You like connect it and it would like find money and save. They just sold for 350 million. So wow. Game on. Yeah. Um, 
And then same thing with clarity. You got 1% of that clarity. deal? Or probably yep. there was some dilution there with investors. Uh, yeah, we only did one round. I mean, this is the the thing I've learned is like, there's two great times to sell a company. One is, one is within the first 24 months because there's a disproportionate amount of equity retained by the founding team to the exit amount you could achieve versus going... If you wait anytime after that, then it's usually another seven to eight years on average before the you know, the business builds up value and the exit is in the multiple nine figures level for you to actually net out the same. So like, I, and I didn't mean to do it. It's just the momentum. And like when I sold to Will at startups.com, um, we actually had a- and you what know, was your ARR of the Flowtime deal? Flowtune. Uh, Flowtown, we were only Flowtown. about 1.5 million, I think, when we okay. exited. Um, but it was a strategic a acquisition. What was the type of oh, multiple? it was incredible. Yeah, it's never it was never public, but it was like it was incredible um, for the size. And there's a whole backstory. We actually got shut down halfway through building the company. So like we built on top of a bunch of APIs. One of them was Facebook's API, and yep. like probably 13 months into building the company, we like had to shut down the product, rebuild the product, and then like go after a completely different market. We went after an enterprise customer doing essentially gift marketing. So like using social media to like gift samples to customers and like the verify their customers. It's hard to explain, but essentially that was that whole journey happened in a two and a half year period. Right. Yeah, I remember when but, Facebook, LinkedIn, all those guys, they, sh- they shut everybody. down the public open APIs like yep. out of nowhere. And it yeah, well, it was because so there was a bunch of security issues. Like there was, um, there was a bunch of games that would go viral and steal everybody's data. So there's a lot of like bad actors that force these social platforms to change the terms of service in their APIs, their public APIs to become private. And it was just, you know, a good lesson in business. I've learned since then never build on top of somebody else's APIs. But yeah, yeah, that those those were like, and then the clarity was a big vision, and that was talk awesome. About clarity. So clarity was the one that I was aware of. Like, yeah, there the was US, we had I've, fifty thousand experts like yourself that were on the platform that were available for calls. I mean, it was it was this crazy idea I had. Just I kind of built this like tool for managing my calls. Like that's literally where it started. Clarity was the utility for me managing inbound requests on my time. I built this like mobile interface and it would just create a queue of calls. And then I was showing it to Eric Reese one day and he's like, could you, can I use this? Like, can you get me, can I have an account? And then I can like have people register to like call me or I'll call them. And it, cause it took care of like the callback and the, it would automate it. You could literally drive and hit start calls and it would just cycle through everybody. Cool. And then, then he goes, uh, It'd be cool if I could charge for my time and then, you know, donate that money to charity. And that was like the that was when the light bulb went off. And I just thought like every social media influencer has an audience. They obviously follow the person because they think what they're sharing is valid and useful and interesting. So if you could make them available in a way that was convenient for them, meaning like I would do all my calls when I was walking in between meetings or driving down the valley or, you know, where I had a long commute. And it cost me nothing to do. I got to talk to cool people and I made money for a charity and a lot of people ended cool up using cl- it. So Clarity is a, a marketplace that connects people that want to talk to experts and you pay per hour, per minute, per half hour, whatever time you select. And then you get to transact. Like, So if you wanted to hire Dan, you'd go on Clarity. Hey, I want Dan's advice 
Um, his rate is a hundred bucks an hour. I need 30 minutes. I'll pay him 50 bucks. Yep. And like, this That's didn't exactly. exist. This didn't nope. exist back then. So I remember as a kid, as an entrepreneur, when I was 18, I'm like, fuck, like, I don't, I don't have all the answers. I need more answers. Came across clarity and I got on it to pay these experts to give me advice. It was awesome. And then you ended up, how long did you build it for? What did it scale to? Two like, years. Two, two years. And then you sold it to. Will. Yeah. We, yep. We, and literally, if you talk to Will today, it continues to move forward and grow a little bit. It's crazy. Like we built this marketplace that had true kind of like momentum in, in the dynamics of it, the way we built our clarity answers feature. And it's just the way we do the matchmaking and even the search technology we built, like it was, it was pretty awesome. I mean, marketplaces are like having twins and, um, yeah, we did hundreds of thousands of calls in a two-year period. And um, the challenge was, and the reason why I exited the company was, it, it turns out, unfortunately, that the number of people that will pay for advice is a lot smaller than I thought. So, so like literally, my total my total addressable market that I was running through the math in my head was, okay, so how many people have social media accounts? How many people those are like business experts? You know, I thought of like SlideShare and Twitter and LinkedIn and like, what if there was an easy way to monetize their time? It wasn't the supply side. It was actually the demand, right? If you think about it, out of 100 entrepreneurs, like 100 business owners, people that incorporate a company, maybe 15% read a book. Like it sounds crazy, but like, because we read so many books, we just assume every person does. It's not true. Like 100 business crazy. owners... Yeah, because I would never have thought that. Because like you're yep. entrepreneurs like you and I are wired so hard. Like, yes, I would pay anyone in the world who's got the answers to give me the secrets so that I could accelerate. But oh my gosh, yeah, we totally. are rare. Like 99% we're we're of a rare breed. Would wouldn't even understand the value in paying for the secrets to to skip the steps. Nope. It, go, it goes like the way we figured it out, it was like a hundred entrepreneurs, 15% read books, five percent go to events, and of the people who go to events, half of those people would like two and a half percent would pay to fast track to get the answer to avoid. Cause like that, that was the alternative is like, you see this person speaking at an event and you're like, Oh, I want to go hear their opinion. And then I'm going to stand in line and ask them a question. Or you go on clarity and you find out if they're there and they're there. It's like, Hey, I'd rather just not pay to go spend three days at an event and just hire the person for an hour of their time. I mean, we had an unlimited clarity budget within clarity for our own experts because we would let our team... So like if our marketing team was working so on like an SEO project, they would literally call Clarity SEO experts, do a 60-minute consult, record the call with Genius. the team and just like... Yeah, it was... It was blowed up. Literally, it, I couldn't understand. That's why it was so frustrating for me because I'm like, I think I'm like sitting on the best kept secret in the world. And it turns out the people... The people who valued it the most were actually uh, hedge fund investors because they were paying to make a disproportionate investment in a big opportunity. And that was, that's, I guess it turns out that's the market that's always been there, the expert network market, like the Gershman Lehman groups and many others that literally just play matchmaker and, and they'll charge 5,000 an hour to uh, financial. How did you get in touch with Will, by the way? Like, did he reach out to you or did you reach out to him? And by the way, so, so um, Dan sold. Uh, clarity to startups.co in Columbus. It used to be called Go Big Network. It was a like a ton of different companies all smashed together in Columbus, Ohio, where I'm at. Um, ironically, I've never even met Will. I should. 
Um, but yeah, he's awesome. We're both yeah, no, we, here locally. Tell me about that. Yeah, we, we met, I think we met through Launch Rocket. So Launch yeah. Rocket or Launch Rock, LaunchRock.com. Launch I was Rock. an investor and in. yeah, I invested in Launch Rock and they exited to uh, startups.co as well, maybe a year prior. And I got to know Will through that transaction. Will actually moved his, uh, his personal home office slash family to San Francisco uh, near me, like six blocks away. And we would get together probably once every two months because you know he was trying to get to know everybody and I had an incredible network. So I would just like organize these dinners and Will would come and he'd meet people. And, and Will is just such a... like. I mean, when it comes to like business experience, I mean, he did a big roll-up back in the day in like the early 2000s of like these marketing agencies. Like yeah. he rolled up like 40 or 50 of them. So when like I graduated college, I almost went and worked for him. Blue Diesel. There's a yeah, bunch yeah, Blue of Diesel. Yeah, that one. Yeah. yeah. So he he just he's just like a pure like entrepreneur. So we always connected that way. And I think he just bought the domain startups.com. So like it was startups.co. He bought startups.com and he called me up and they were looking for a platform that would be like their core community answers. And we had clarity answers. And it just it literally made a lot of sense. And he just called me at the perfect time. And I got to give it to Will, his negotiation, because we were going to sell to a New York firm. And the reason I ended up going with Will is he said the magic words, which is zero day earn out. So if you ever exit a business, normally like my previous company, uh, we negotiated a one-year earn out, but he actually was cool acquiring the company and having me not even stay on, which was incredibly lucrative Like for a founder to like be able to exit and not like even my first company I stayed on for a year advisor. Um, and, and, and it was somebody I, I knew like and trusted. He promised he wouldn't mess with the product. And to his word, it was 2014 we exited. I mean, almost eight years later, Clarity still works the way it works. They've integrated in their suite of products and it will continue to be that way. Um, because what was the biggest it, secret that you learned in that company? And then we got to get to like hundred percent ties ties into the book. Well, the book, the book is cool because like I can talk to you the stories that helped me buy back my time in every one of these companies. But the biggest growth hack that most people never knew that we perfected was we dynamically acquired experts using SlideShare. So let me let me break it down. In real time, if you search, let's say this is early days of Bitcoin, you came on Clarity and you search for a Bitcoin expert and we didn't have inventory, we would literally in real time send that request over to our team originally in the Philippines. They would go on SlideShare, search that term, find the top slides, go to the last slide, right? Because on SlideShare was a presentation. The last slide would have the email of the person who gave the presentation. We knew they knew about Bitcoin because their presentation was ranked the highest in SlideShare. And we literally scraped and kind of migrated experts off of SlideShare onto Clarity. Because then we had this email template saying, hey, we have a we have a Clarity member that's willing to pay you for your time. Click the link to get connected. Well, everybody's like, oh, I'd love to get paid for my time to talk about what I love to talk about. And that is how we built our expert network in a dynamic. We actually automated that eventually. It was called Bonjour, which is French for hello. And um, it was part of our engine on the back end to create liquidity in our marketplace. So even if you came in there and were like, I need to talk to a direct-to-consumer expert around PPC or media buying, uh, if you didn't find the expert, we would literally dynamically go on SlideShare and search these terms, find the top experts, invite them over. And then as soon as they registered, it would notify you, hey, here are three new experts on the topic you just searched. 
and it would just create matchmaker. And then we had this like answers thing. A marketplace is really like building an organism. You have like these two parties, the demand and the supply, and you you just got to figure out like, yeah, how do you get them to kind of meet at the same time and create a great first time user experience for both, right? Like an expert wants to get a call within a day or two and the seeker wants to get an expert to talk to or at least interact with. So like, even though we couldn't get them on a call in the first time user experience, we'd, we'd at least push them to ask a question and then get a response. And then they could call. There's like a call button within the email response. So it was really just about creating a connection and then having them communicate on platform to solve their problems. So sick. Uh, and on the, so that was the supply. Then how did you get the people to literally know about the site? How'd you get the demand? We had one core metric. We called it EDS, expert-driven signups. Okay, so that was our North Star metric because we knew, because I talked to the guys at Airbnb, if you couldn't make the supply side generate the demand, there was no way you could pay for the demand since you're only taking 20 or 30% of the total transaction, right? So like if, if we had to pay to get somebody to do a call and the call was $100, but we only made 20 or $30, now that was if the call happened, if 50% of the time the call doesn't happen for whatever reason, timing, scheduling issues. So then like you're paying a hundred, like let's say you paid $30 to get a call. It's like $60 to get two calls to have one call. Just did the economics didn't work, right? Like it's just pure math. It just would never work that way. So what we did is we worked with the experts and really the onboarding flow to incentivize and gamify their profiles. We told them to do free calls to build up their profiles to get reviews. Well, those free calls drove exposure to the demand that they like they were sharing on Twitter. They were adding it to their email signature. Then we added the clarity. Share it a lot. Yep. hundred percent. That was and we incentivized to do them and told them how many views their profile got. And essentially treated it as almost like a, a, a different version of like a LinkedIn profile. Like this is my status and here's all these reviews of people have called me on these topics and I've helped them and here's what they're saying. And, uh, and then the clarity answers was essentially like Quora. So like our SEO game got really good. And then we also featured experts to write articles on our blog. So we had a great kind of blog content strategy. And that was, that was our core metric. How do we get our experts to drive more signups to our platform? And we figured... Like we just had to figure that out and that's what we did. Why do you keep exiting these companies, right? Like you know a lot about SaaS. Like you grew this, like, you know what I mean? Like after a few, are you just like, why don't you run one of these deals to get like super big? What made you always get in, get out within 24 to 48 months? Yeah, no, there was like I think the average is like 25 months, 26 months. Um I mean, the truth was is Flowtown was um you know, as after we rebuilt that business, we kind of pivoted into a different business model. I wasn't as passionate about. I'm, I'm, I love small businesses. We pivoted into enterprise. Um, the exit we had was perfect timing because you know we we were break even. We could have raised another round of funding, but like I said, it's like you ra- raise another round like a Series A, and then you have to like go to like a hundred million exit to make the same economics work, right? Because you like dilute 30, 35%. You knew the um, money to where the time and the money, the time to value, the time to money. It's, it's and it's and it's market risk, right? So you always got to calculate the time value. So like the question, even when I, after we got acquired at Flowtown and I was working on Clarity on the side, the math I did in my head was, could I create more enterprise value in 16 months building this new thing 
than if I stayed and guaranteed my earnout. Now, what was crazy about that is I left to do Clarity, ended up raising 1.7 million on like six pre, so built a seven million dollar business within three months, and then and I own most of the equity because I didn't have co-founders, and then um, like literally a month after I exited to go build Clarity, um, the company exited and all my stock accelerated. So I ended up getting the earnout, even though I left assuming I wouldn't. So it was kind of like this beautiful like moment in the universe because I, I really believe that the world rewards courageous decisions. You know That if you are courageous in your decisions, the world will recognize that and you just have to have faith and you got to move forward. Um, and then what happened was I just started investing in all these early stage... SaaS companies and I turns out I'm a really good investor. So like I was early oh, money in like Intercom and Hootsuite. Get around wow. just went public last week. So um now what I've done since then is like, you know, I started my YouTube channel to give back and then SaaS Academy, but like the whole time I've been investing in other SaaS companies. So I've got the and, same and economics with buyback your time secret, but what what, what is the secret to freaking Picking the good companies to invest in versus the the worst. I'll tell you, for me, it has nothing to do with the idea. Although I need to feel like I can be helpful, like I'm not going to invest in something that like I'm an idiot in. Um, but the big thing is, I just I just invest in people. Like I I when I invested in Udemy, um, you know, I just met Goggin and Aaron, the, his co-founder, and was like, these guys are going to make it work. I don't know what. I don't know if it's this idea or the next idea or like pivot or whatever, but like they'll win so much so that like they actually, you know, brought in a CEO and kind of personally they've exited the business. And then Goggin went to do Sprig and I invested in Sprig. Now he's doing Maven. Like to me, I invest in the person first and foremost, especially early stage, because you just, you don't, the idea will always morph and change. That's been true for my world as well. Um, but what is constant is just the grit and the hustle and the tenacity that the entrepreneur has, right? And you can just tell, right? Like you can tell when you ask them, it's like, well, tell me how you've gotten to this point. And they tell you, well, you know, I did this and then this didn't work. And then I, I had to do this and then this. And like, and then I'm always like, tell me a crazy story. Like, tell me something crazy. And I'm always looking for just people that are resourceful. Like, I think. Too often entrepreneurs are like try to go down a path and then they hit a roadblock and they're like, oh, that's not gonna work. It's like, no, I want to hear about the person that like showed up in disguise and like got their way into the building to then ask for a meeting to get a new partnership. Like if you're just going to accept a no the first time, then you're not you're not gonna win at the level we're talking about because it's so rare, right? Like a technology company to go from zero to hundred million in revenue in seven years, which is what's required. It's such rare air that you're looking for these people that don't act normal, that are willing to do abnormal things. And it's why they get to live an extraordinary life. And, and when you say zero to 107, what do you mean it's required? Talk to me about that. The average tech company that gets to scale and exit, it's literally some kind of narrative that's zero to hundred million in revenue, right? Yeah. Like, that's that's the venture world that I came from. So if you want to raise capital to grow fast, you have to tell a story and prove it somehow that that's the trajectory you're on, right? Some people call it a you know a triple triple double or whatever, but essentially it's seven years. Now, does it take you eight or nine? Maybe, but like the story is, you know, we're here now, and within the next six years, we want to be at 100 million, and you can prove a path towards that. 
Thanks for joining Sales Secrets. New shows daily. Subscribe now.